And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today is September the 20th, 263rd day of the year. 102 days remain to this year's over with. All the days and observances that you all asked me to do. Today's International NFT Day. That creates digital expression and ownership. National Queso Day. German World Children's Day. National Care for Kids Day. National Crime and Intelligence Analyst Appreciation Day. National Fried Rice Day. National Punch Day. Go punch somebody that you know. National School Backpack Awareness Day. Now that's a, a real great one. National String Cheese Day. Uh, you can hold the cheese as far as I'm concerned. Well, in 1058, Agnes of Poitou and Andrew I of Hungary meet to negotiate with the border territory of Bergenland. 1066, at the Battle of Fulford, Harold Hadrada defeats Earls Morcar and Edwin. Harold Hadrada was one of the foremost Viking warriors. 1187, Saladin begins the siege of Jerusalem. That was a uh, Latin kingdom, don't you know? 1260, the Great Prussian Uprising among the old Prussians begins against the Teutonic Knights, the German version of the Knights Templar. 1378, Cardinal Robert of Geneva was elected Pope Clement VII, beginning the Papal Schism. 1498, the Nankai Tsunami washes away the building housing the Great Buddha of Kotoku Inn. It had been located outside ever since. 1519, Ferdinand Magellan set sail from San Yacar de Barrabida with about 270 men on his expedition, which ultimately culminates in the first circumnavigation of the globe. 1586, a number of conspirators in the Babington plot are hung, drawn, and quartered. Now, for those who don't know what the Babington plot was, it was a plan in 1586 to assassinate Queen Elizabeth I. She was a Protestant, and they were going to put Mary, Queen of Scots, her Catholic cousin, on the throne. Well, as a result of it, uh, Elizabeth I had Mary executed. That was a result of a letter sent by Mary, who'd been in prison for 19 years uh, in England at the behest of Elizabeth, in which she consented to the assassination of Elizabeth. So as far as Elizabeth was concerned, she was guilty. 1602, Spanish-held Dutch town of Grave capitulates to a besieging Dutch and English army under the command of Maurice of Orange. 1697, Treaty of Ryswick is signed by France, England, Spain, and the Holy Roman Empire in the Dutch Republic, ending the Nine Years' War. 1737, the Walking Purchase concludes, which forces the secession of 1.2 million acres of Lenape, Delaware, tribal land in the Pennsylvania colony. The Walking Purchase, also known as the Walking Treaty, was a uh, 1737 agreement between the Penn family, they were the proprietors of the province of Pennsylvania, and the Lenape Native Elders. In the Purchase, the Penn family and proprietors claimed that a 1686 treaty with the Lenape ceded an area of uh, 1.2 million acres in present-day Lehigh Valley in northeastern Pennsylvania, which included a Western land boundary extending as far west as a man could walk in a day and a half, which led to its name, the Walking Purchase. And let's see, 1792, French troops stop an Allied invasion of France at the Battle of Valmy. 1835, the decade-long ragamuffin war starts rebels capture Porto Alegre in Brazil. The ragamuffin war, the ragamuffin revolution, was a republican uprising that began in southern Brazil. Rebels were led by Generals Benito Gonzalez de Silva and Antonio de Susaneta with the support of the Italian fighters Giuseppe Garibaldi. The uh, war ended in an agreement between the two sides known as the Green Poncho Treaty. Um, 
It's interesting what people will fight about. 1854, the Crimean War. British and French troops defeat the Russians at the Battle of Alma. 1857, the Indian Rebellion of 1857 ends with the recapture of Delhi by troops loyal to the East India Company. 1860, the future King Edward VII of the UK begins the first visit to North America by Prince of Wales. 1863, American Civil War, Battle of Chickamauga, Northwestern Georgia ends in a Confederate victory. 1870, the Persegarni Corps enters Rome through the Porta Pia and completes the unification of Italy. 1871, Bishop John Coleridge Patterson, first bishop of Melanesia's martyred on uh, Nukapu, now in the Solomon Islands. 1881, President Chester Arthur sworn in on the death of James Garfield the previous day. 1893, Charles Duryea and his brother road test the first American-made gasoline-powered automobile. 1911, the White Star Line's uh, RMS Olympic collides with the British warship HMS Hawk. 1920, Irish War of Independence, British place known as Black and Tans burned the village of Balbriggan and killed two local men in revenge for an IRA assassination. 1941, the Holocaust of Lithuania. Lithuanian Nazis and local police began a mass execution of 403 Jews in uh, Nemencini. 1946, the first Cannes Film Festival was held, having been delayed for seven years due to World War II. 1946 also saw six days after a referendum, King Charles X of Denmark annulled the Declaration of Independence of the Faroe Islands. 1955, the Treaty on Relations between the USSR and the GDR signed. GDR is German Democratic Republic. 1961, Gen Greek General Konstantinos Dovas becomes the Prime Minister of Greece. 1962, James Meredith, an African-American, is temporarily barred from entering University of Mississippi. 1965, following the Battle of Berkey, the Indian Army captures Dalgrai and uh, during the Indo-Pakistani War of 1965. 1967, the Cunard Liner, Queen Elizabeth II, launched in Clydeback, Scotland. 1971, having weakened after making landfall in Nicaragua the previous day, Hurricane Irene regains enough strength to be renamed Hurricane Olivia. <laughs> Making it the first known hurricane to cross from the Atlantic to the Pacific. 1973, Billie Jean King beats Bobby Riggs in the Battle of the Sexist Tennis Match at the Houston Astrodome. My understanding is Bobby Riggs got paid a fortune to lose that match. 1973, singer Jim Croce, songwriter, musician Maury Mullison, and four others die when their light aircraft crashes on takeoff at uh, Nachitoches International Airport in Louisiana. 1977, Vietnam is admitted to the United Nations. 1979, a French-supported coup d'etat in the Central African Empire uh, overthrows Emperor Bokassa I. 1982, NFL season, American football players and National Football League begin a 57-day strike. 1984, a suicide bomber in a car attacks U.S. Embassy in Beirut, Lebanon and kills 22 people. 1989, U.S. Air Flight 5050 crashes into Bonnery Bay during a rejected uh, takeoff from LaGuardia Airport. Killed two people. 1990, South Ossieta declares its independence from Georgia. 2000, United Kingdom's MI6 Secret Intelligence Service building is attacked by individuals using a Russian-built RPG-22 anti-tank missile. 2001, an address to a joint session of Congress and the American people, President George W. Bush declares a war on terror. Oh, my goodness. 2003, civil unrest in the Maldives breaks out after a prisoner is killed by guards. 2007, between 15,000 and 20,000 protesters marched on Jenna, Louisiana in support of six black youths who'd been convicted of assaulting a white classmate. 2008, a dump truck full of explosives detonates in front of the Marriott Hotel in Islamabad, Pakistan, kills 54 and injures 266. 2011, the United States military ends its don't ask, don't tell policy. 
allowing gay men and women to serve openly for the first time. 2017, Hurricane Maria makes landfall in Puerto Rico as a powerful Category 4 hurricane. Results in 2,975 deaths, $90 billion in damage, and a major humanitarian crisis. 2018, at least 161 people die after a ferry capsizes close to the pier in Ukara Island in Lake Victoria in Tanzania. And in 2019, roughly 4 million people, mostly students, demonstrated across the world to address climate change. Oh man, that helps so much, don't you know? All that hot air. 16-year-old Greta Thunberg from Sweden leads a demonstration in New York City. Oh yeah, she's made a career out of being an activist. And that's what so many people want to do. Well, all that having been said, let's talk about some of the scariest places in the world. You know, there has been um, quite a lot of discussion about various haunted places. And a lot of superstitions and ancient customs are affiliated with uh, things such as this. In 2009, University of Florence, anthropologist unearthed a female vampire skull complete with a brick shoved in its mouth. It's found in a mass grave on Lazaretto Nuovo, an island in the Venice Lagoon. Dating from about 1576, the grave contained victims of a plague that decimated Venice that year. Some of the deceased, the, the Venetians believed, were vampires, so-called shroud eaters. Because bacteria in the victims' mouths corroded the cloth that covered their faces and exposed their teeth. Well, according to uh, anthropologist Matteo Barini, to kill the vampire, you had to remove the shroud from its mouth, which was its food, like the milk of a child, and put something uneatable in its place. That's why the brick. Now, Lazaretto Nuovo wasn't the only plague burial ground of Venetian Lagoon. 1432, the city had established its first quarantine hospital on another island, Loreto Vallejo, filled with ceaseless groans and foul odors and smoke from burning corpses. It was, according to one contemporary account, very similar to hell itself. Well, after the plague hit the city even harder in 1576, and again in 1630, thousands of infected people were sent to other Venetian islands, including uh, tiny Poviglia, located between Venice and Lido. Unlike the Lazaretto Islands, which now featured guided tours, Paveglia remains uninhabited, overgrown, and actually shunned by everybody. It may also be haunted. Island's most famous apparition is Little Maria, the ghost of a young plague victim who allegedly stands by the water's edge on moonless nights, crying out for her parents. 1920s, the opening of an insane asylum on that island led to the legend that an evil doctor prone to administrating uh, brutal medical experiments had fallen from the island's bell tower under mysterious circumstances. Well, following the closing of the institution in 1968, the island was abandoned. Untouched by both fishermen and gondoliers, the island was put up for the auction by the cash-strapped Italian government in 2014. An Italian businessman eventually paid $704,000, but the sale was annulled when the government decided the amount wasn't enough. Businessman was hoping to build a luxury hotel. Interesting to see what little Maria would have felt about that. Maybe she uh, would be in the front lobby. Now, one of the things I heard in the news the other day was a discussion of the Tower of London. The um, one of the night watchmen used to circumvent the tower every night. It was Arthur Crick. He had stopped along his nightly rounds to rest his feet. I mean, he was tired. It was hot. And he heard a voice. There's only you and I here. And Crick's response was, well, let me get my shoes on. There'll only be you here. 
With a complex of towers by the Tim, uh, River Thames, and now home to everything from the crown jewels to a, an axe probably used in the last public beheading on Tower Hills, considered the most haunted building in England. Construction, construction of the tower began in 1066 under William the Conqueror. And not surprising, the, the most storied part of the structure is also the oldest part. The White Tower, where the ghost known as the White Lady wanders, uh, it's where it gets its name, I suspect. Uh, her perfume is often smelled at the entrance to the chapel of St. John's. There's a headless ghost said to be that of Anne Boleyn, who's sometimes seen near the Queen's house, close to where she was executed on Tower Green. And the nine-day queen, uh, Lady Jane Grey, was reportedly spotted by guards February 12, 1957. It was the 403rd anniversary of her death. She was executed for... Uh, displeasing the king. Maybe the saddest of all is the, the race of Edward IV's sons, Edward V and Richard. 1483, they were sent to the tower after being declared illegitimate by their uncle Richard, who uh, wanted to be king. And it's said he had him murdered. He became King Richard III. 1674, the skeletons of two young boys were discovered beneath a staircase. But reports of the brothers... Spirits being seen in their white nightgowns, um, still, circumvents. You know, one place that, uh, is absolutely no argument has to be haunted is, uh, what's known as the Transylvania Bermuda Triangle. Hoia Bacchiu Florist in Romania. Well, story begins on the afternoon of August 18, 1968. Military technician Ingo Bernia and his girlfriend were picnicking in the Round Meadow. That's a, an area of the Holia Basia Forest in uh, Cluj, Romania, where they noticed a slow, silent, silvery disc in the sky. Grabbing his camera, Bernia took some pictures that single-handedly launched Romania's UFO uh, movement. Led to the forest's reputation as an interdimensional hotspot. Known as the Bermuda Triangle of Romania, Cluj lies near the foothills of the Appleseni Mountains in the country's Transylvania region. After a four hour drive from Brand Castle, which was said to be the inspiration for the Dracula legend, Oyabasia is filled with oddly gnarled trees straight out of a fairy tale illustration. But its reputation rests on distinctly otherworldly phenomena. Red lights and orbs and disembodied voices and even apparitions reg allegedly reflecting the restless spirits of Romanian peasants who were murdered in the woods. One of the most popular legends is about a five-year-old girl who disappeared in the forest, only reappeared years later dressed in the same clothes she was wearing when she vanished. Now, I find that interesting. I mean, I would have thought she'd have grown some in that five years. Then there's the bride, the ghost of a missing woman who supposedly prowls the wood, uh, woods in her wedding dress, probably looking for her uh, bridesmaids. Despite his fearsome reputation, Oyabasia remains a popular spot for biking and paintball and archery, but you might consider bringing acetration. Wanderers in these woods have been subject to strange rashes and scratches. And the Round Meadow, where Barnea supposedly uh, spotted his UFO, has its own horror. Some claim that nothing can live there because the ground's been charred by interstellar radiation. In other words, if you do go there for a picnic, you won't uh, you don't have to worry about ants. You might have um, UFOs coming to the picnic, but no ants. And in one place I enjoyed going was the Queen Mary. My wife had a meeting, so we got a room on the Queen Mary. And while she was at her meeting, I was wandering around and taking photographs and chasing ghosts and having a good time. You know, years after the legendary Queen Mary was permanently docked as a hotel and tourist attraction in Long Beach, California, a maritime engineer named uh, John Smith had an unsettling experience while working on board the ship late one night. In a deserted staircase, 
He heard the sound of water running and men screaming. But there was nobody in the area. Now later he learned that in 1942 the liner was being used in World War II when it collided as a uh, with his companion vessel, the HMS Curacao, on its way to Gurak in Scotland. The Curacao was immediately sheared in two and sunk, killing 338 men. The area he heard the mysterious water rushing was the exact same area that was damaged when the ship, uh, two ships hit, Gordon Smith. It's not surprising a nearly 80-year-old ship with more than a thousand ocean crossings and numerous deaths on it would uh, have a reputation for being haunted. It began as a luxury liner in 1936. It retrofitted as a battle cruiser for World War II and dubbed the Grey Ghost. Many German and Italian POWs died on the liners, well, as soldiers from heat stroke traveling in the Mediterranean. In these days, the ship's most haunted spot is the B deck, where the World War II morgue was, in an isolation room in that same general area. The engine room, the, the green room, then were the state rooms, an area known as Shaft Alley in the former first class pool area, which is home to the ship's most famous ghost, known as Little Jackie. She's playful and talkative, and her voice has been caught many times on tape. Sadly, she's said to remain on the ship because she's looking for her mother. Sometimes she'll cry out for her mother, but she never gets an answer. Of course, the ship capitalizes on uh, its spooky reputation by offering haunted tours. Now, I did not see one of those. Interactive attractions and seances. There's even a dinner special called Dining with the Spirits, which allows the ship's patrons to pair paranormal investigators and more earthbound uh, spirits. Even have a Dare I say it? Bloody Mary. Well, let's talk about what's referred to as uh, the Road of the Dead. The Paz de Corioco in Bolivia. If you think your commute is bad, considering to drive along Camino de Yungas, Apparently narrow thoroughfare that runs 40 miles from La Paz, Bolivia's capital, to the western city of Corioco. Called the world's most dangerous road, it reaches a height of 15,000 feet through the Andes of Cordilleras. Its sheer cliffs, waterfalls, and hairpin turns are obscured by dust and vegetation and cloud uh, forest. Not to mention unpredictable weather. There's a new, less perilous route linking the re- re- uh, regions that was opened in 2006. But the old road, reportedly the site of 200 to 300 deaths every year, is still being used. Wooden and stone crosses mark the spots where travelers reach the end of their own roads, though locals believe their restless spirits still remain behind. The stray dogs that roamed the old road were said to be the souls of the people who died there. So, according to Darren Patterson, general manager of Gravity Bolivia, people always fed the stray dogs. Patterson's uh, company organizes mountain bike expeditions on the site. One man told him he passed an old woman walking on the road at night and stopped to give her a lift. He said she looked in the back seat. They were talking. In the rearview mirror, he saw she was gone. For protection, road warriors traditionally make offerings to Pacamama goddess revered in the Andes at the Camino's highest point. They give her a few sprinkles of alcohol, also called Pachamana, because it's said to honor her. Going to Patterson, a lot of drivers keep big bottles in their car. So, you might ask how Patterson calms nervous bikers who remain unconvinced about the alcohol's efficiency, or efficacy, you might say. He said, I tell them I took my mother down. She loved it. And then in the Gonjam Psychiatric Hospital in South Korea, we have what's known as the Maze of Madness. The ruins of this hospital have been moldering in South Korea's Gyeonggi uh, province since the mid-1990s when the structure was abandoned for reasons that had never been explained. Some suggest that plumbing problems or financial improprieties were to blame, but uh, urban legend claims that the institution was plagued by a series of strange deaths. 
Results of horrifying medical experiments were eventually traced to a homicidal doctor who promptly fled to America. Now the ramshackle ruins are filled with mildewed mattresses and broken windows and Korean and English graffiti. In many places, the single word, kill, has been put on the wall. Thanks in part to its sinister appearance, Gonjiam has become known as a, one of the three most haunted sites in South Korea. Others being a house filled with disembodied voices and real young dog. And the newborn garden restaurant where she allegedly closed because ghosts drove the owners out. Well, it's not entirely accurate to call the hospital abandoned because uh, it's become a frequent destination for trespassing urban thrill seekers. Though most of them don't uncover supernatural secrets, some have reportedly been scratched by unseen entities as they walk through the halls. It's been suggested those scratches came from either stray cats or maybe broken windows, but maybe ghostly patients could be the cause. Well... How about the Amesia Castle in Japan? The Screaming Ghost Whale. Early 17th century, during Japan's Edo period, a girl named Okiku served the lord of Hajime Castle, which stood on a hill overlooking its namesake city of Hyogo Prefecture. She was tasked, according to the story, with guarding her master's uh, ten priceless gold plates. But she wanted more than that. She'd actually fallen in love with him. Given her humble station, she couldn't dream of revealing her true feelings, but she remained nothing if not devoted. After overhearing several fellow servants plotting her lord's murder, she told him about the plot. Seeking revenge, the conspirators stole one of the gold plates she was guarding and convinced the lord of the castle that Okiku was the thief. The uh, credulous uh, owner of the castle promptly had the girl killed and her body thrown into the castle well. But her low-lorn spirit didn't rest in peace. Every night between 2 and 3 in the morning, according to legend, her revenant or ghost arises from the well and screams 1, 2, 3, all the way up to 10. One nerve, the sleepless lord reinvestigated the events that led up to her execution. When he learned the truth that he had killed the wrong person, he went insane. But that's the legend anyway, considering the most considered the most beautiful castle in Japan. Funoryo Hamiji Castle, a UNESCO World Heritage Site, remains on its hill overlooking its namesake city. There are many who claim to Still hear old Kiku screaming as she counts the gold plates from 2 to 3 in the morning. At least you know she's on the job. Well, let's talk about sinister statues. Pelicala Sculpture Park in Finland, of all places. Well... In early 1960s, a 16-year-old by the name of Vijo Ronkonen used his first paycheck from a Paracala, Finland paper mill to buy apple tree seedlings and a bag of concrete. And this simple, unexpected act kicked off this man's 50-year obsession, the creation of some 500 concrete sculptures to popular an eerie garden on the grounds of the home where he lived with his parents near Finland's Russian border. Grotesque, unreal, sometimes downright frightening. His folk art shows animals and aliens and people with lifeless missing eyes. Sometimes real human teeth are embedded. Certain figures seem to be self-portraits, including a series of young men in yoga poses that reportedly reflect and artistically preserve Ron Conan's youthful body. But the reclusive sculptor who uh, died in 2010 never imagined the work itself would last. And what's more, he didn't care if anybody saw it or not. 
When asked what he hoped would happen to his statues, he said he wanted them buried like China's terracotta army. Equally uninterested in money or fame, instead of charging visitors, he simply asked him to sign a guest book. 2007, he refused to claim a prestigious Finnish prize, stating he didn't want to leave his house. His brother accepted it for him. Spurred by his growing reputation, collectors and curators inevitably came calling, asking if Ron Conan would sell or lend his works. And how did the, the artist respond? He said, we'd have to check with the statues first, see if they wanted to take part. Apparently they said no, because none of them ever left his property. Well, Russia has what's referred to as a ruined UFO. The Bazluza Monument in Bulgaria. In 1868, Bazluza Peak in Bulgaria's central Balkan mountains was the site of a bloody battle between Bulgarian rebels and the Turks that had conquered the country in the 14th century. Nearly three decades after that decisive fight, the peak was a location of a secret socialist meeting led to the founding of that country's Communist Party. You know, to commemorate these events, Bulgaria's Soviet government ordered the construction of the House Monument of the Bulgarian Communist Party on that site in 1974. When the odd UFO-like structure finally opened as a party assembly hall in 1981, it instantly became the most important building in Bulgaria. And as concrete monuments to communism go, it really was a lavish affair. Filled with statues and mosaics and murals representing Lenin and Marx and a red star-shaped window celebrating Mother Russia, what else? But after the Soviet Union collapsed in 1989, less than a decade after the monument was built, the structure was abandoned to the elements. Now the isolated ruin looms on the high, one-slip peak like something out of Alien. It's vandalized artwork replaced by graffiti, including in joint communism written in the style of the Coca-Cola logo. And despite its remote location, the dilapidated sites become a magnet for intrepid explorers in this place where men once fought for what they thought was the greater good. The monument definitely symbolizes how times and ideologies have changed, according to one Bulgarian tour guide. Some time ago, it was the most important building in Bulgaria. And now it's abandoned to the elements. Well, let's go to Templo Mayor in Mexico, the Temple of Death. Well, in 1978, electrical workers digging in Mexico City's historic center uncovered an eight-ton stone carving of the Aztec goddess, Coalexiquai. Expecting a major archaeological find, the Mexican government controversially decided to destroy the site's Spanish colonial buildings and solve the subterranean mystery. And this led to the discovery of the ruins of the Temple Mayor, also known as the Great Temple in Tenochtitlan, the Aztec city founded in 1325. Dedicated to the Aztec god of war and Tlaloc, the god of rain, the Temple Mayor was the Aztec's Axis Mundi. It was like a giant altar where human sacrifices were made to the gods. Perfect altering consisted of the flesh and bones of the Aztec's enemies. The heads were war trophies that were boiled and cleaned, and, and the insides were eaten before the skulls were set on the stone altars. The fun and games ended when the Spanish conquistador Hernán Cortés arrived in 1519, destroying the Aztec civilization shortly after that and covering the temple area, which is now, of course, a UNESCO World Heritage Site with structures such as the Metropolitan Cathedral. These structures likely covered the rest of the ruin. In fact, a recent excavation found a tower made of more than 60,000 skulls near Templo Mayor, monument to ancient murder in a modern megapolis. Well, let's go to Kasanka National Park in Africa, the Bat Sanctuary. Every October, roughly 10 million fruit bats leave their sanctuaries in places like Senegal and Cameroon and winging their way to Kansaka National Park in Zambia. And there, beginning at dusk each day, the creatures turn the sky above the park's Mushitu swamps 
black as they feast on wild loquat, waterberry, and red milkwood. And every dawn, the tired creatures hang upside down from trees in order to sleep off their feast. That is, until December each year, when the bats disappear as abruptly as they appeared. The largest mammal migration in the world, the annual bat flight to Kansaka, is long threatened by uh, persistent poaching until wildlife began to rebound after private owners took control of the area in 1990. Now, these particular bats don't suck your blood. They eat fruit. But that small reassurance for those who uh, fear creatures of the night. So-called flying foxes, their bodies are yellowish-brown, the color of straw, make these uh, those screeching noises bats are known for as they fly and have an average wingspan of about three feet. That's more than three times the size of the little brown bats in your hometown. And there are millions of them. Dracula himself only turned into one, and the average haunted house is host a few hundred at most. All in all, the Kasaka event is a spectacle straight out of a Chiroptophobic's Nightmare, or maybe an Alfred Hitchcock movie. It takes birds to a new level. Well, let's go to the Nazi parade ground in Germany, known as Hitler's Wasteland. 1933, Adolf Hitler, Germany's newly appointed chancellor, declared Nuremberg the city of the Nazi party rallies and kick off the construction of a parade ground on more than four square miles of converted parkland in the southeast part of the city. And though Hitler's plans were typically grandiose, most of the construction was halted when World War II began in 1939. And as a result, the complex was never completed. Today, according to Alexander Smith, a historian at the site's documentation center, only three elements still exist in varying states of decay. The partially completed Congress Hall, the largest surviving relic of Nazi architecture, the Great Street, which became a parking space after 1945, and the Zeppelin Field, the first and only finished area where Hitler rallied thousands from his nostrum with his poisonous invective. His favorite architect, Albert Speer, promised that the ground's monument would last a thousand years. But the site is now covered with litter and overgrown with grass and fenced off with signs reading Danger or Collapse. In 1973, the area was declared a historic monument, posing an ongoing problem for local officials. Should they preserve it, or treat it as a piece of contaminated ground that should be left to nature, in the words of a member of Nuremberg's Architectural Council? Around 2015, Nuremberg's mayor proposed renovating the grounds at a cost of millions, a controversial decision to say the least. One city resident told Britain's Daily Mail better to let it crumble. And one day, if... Its master builder and one of the most successful mass murderers of all time should make it out of hell to look back at what he created. He can see nothing but a pile of rubble. Very good sentiment. Well, from there, let's go to a creepy cemetery. The Capuchin Crypt in Italy to start out with, known as the Monk's Mausoleum. In the crypt beneath Santa Maria della Concezione, a Capuchin church in Rome's uh, Via Veneto neighborhood, five chapels are decorated with the bones of 4,000 monks who died between 1528 and 1870. One room is devoted to skulls, another to leg bones, another to pelvises, all of which are arranged in intricate and elaborate displays as if by some macabre Martha Stewart. Few intact skeletons are displayed traditional brown capuchin robes. For centuries, the building of bone churches, memorials, was common throughout the world. In fact, in Italy, you'll find them in Naples and Sicily and Milan, along with a number of other locations. But for contemporary people, accustomed to avoiding the reality of death, these sites can be as difficult to understand as they are to stomach. It's Paul Codanaris relates in the Empire of Death, one American tourist looked at uh, Conseil's uh, decor and exclaimed, these are all monks. Why'd they have to be punished like this? But in actuality, these displays are supposed to honor the man whose remains were transferred to the site after the Capuchins relocated in 1631. Their scattered presence on the walls is a sacred memento mori, a reminder of death. One chilling uh, plaque reads, uh, What you are now, we once were. What we are now, you will be. 
Kramp said to be inspired by Sedley Gosseri outside Prague, deeply affected such writers as the Marquis de Sade, who wrote he'd never seen anything more striking. Mark Twain referred to the Crips uh, picturesque horrors in the Innocence Abroad, and Nathaniel Hawthorne uh, noted in the Marble Fawn that the site had no disagreeable scent, such as might have been expected from the decay of so many holy persons. Same number of living monks wouldn't smell half so unexceptionally. They're not uh, exactly fans of uh, bathing, so... Uh, let's go to St. Pancras Old Church in England. Thomas Hardy's Tree. In his 1882 poem, The Level Churchyard, British writer Tom Hardy depicts corpses who felt half-stifled in this, or stifled in this jumbled patch of wretched memorial stones. Those lines, interestingly enough, may be semi-autobiographical. In the 1860s, the future novelist was an architect apprenticed to Arthur Blumfield, who had been tasked with the exclamation of thousands of corpses buried outside London's St. Pancreas Old Church. And the reason for the exclamation was Britain's booming railway industry had necessitated the expansion of the Midland Railway Line through part of the church's cemetery. And because tomb robbing was a common practice at the time, Bloomfield asked Hardy to oversee the railroad workers and gravediggers who handled the remains, according to Lester Hillman, academic advisor to the Camden Tour Guides Association and the Islington Archaeology and Historical Society. It was a dreary and often shocking business. One night a coffin cracked open and revealed a single skeleton, with two heads, I might add. Like the other remains, it was placed in a pit on the grounds over which St. Pancras Coroner's Court was built and still stands to this day. Uprooted gravestones were used to support the east boundary of the present churchyard. Well, actually, not all of them. At an undetermined date, hundreds of the gravestones are artfully arranged around an ash tree just east of the church, supposedly by Thomas Hardy himself. And though Hillman doubts Hardy's involvement, the exclamation of the graves never escaped the writer's mind. In fact, 15 years after the experience, Hardy was reunited with Blomfeld, whose first words were, Do you remember how we found the man with two heads at St. Pancras? Well... Always heard the expression, two heads are better than one. Well, let's go to Landa, Indonesia, for one of the most unusual graveyards in the world. They're known as the Hanging Graves. Hanging from crevices on a cliff face in Landa, Indonesia, are coffins containing remains of Torahans, an ethnic group whose uh, long history of burial practices is vividly reflected here. Beginning in the 17th century, the Torahans began uh, suspending their dead from the rock to avoid grave robbing by outside tribes. And the higher any coffin was placed, the greater the status of the corpse. But, of course, time is the great leveler. Many of the older coffins have fallen to the ground. And more recent barrels have been slotted into recesses cut into the rock. And at the base of the cliff, you'll see tombs that look like miniature Torahan houses, a barrel custom began in the 20th century, according to Tim Hannigan, author of A Brief History of Indonesia. And above them, niches carved into the cliff hold creepy, colorfully dressed wooden effigies called Tau Tau, which guard the entrances to caves containing underground tombs. According to Hannigan, nobody knows when the Tau Tau were first used. Tradition to be clothed annually and given major repairs every quarter of a century or so. And you can escape their eerie eyes by following the guide into the cave where an oil lamp illuminates coffins and bleached bones at the site's oldest necropolis. Caves are almost continually very, almost certainly very ancient places of burial, probably long before the arrival of the ancestors of the current inhabitants. Basically, the whole site reflects a living tradition rather than a fossil. You can make a statement by the way you get buried, apparently. Pierre Lachey in France, the Celebrity Cemetery. Late 1800, Paris was running out of places to bury its dead. Cemeteries were overcrowded. The officials were worried about disease, so four new cemeteries were planned outside the city proper. One on a 110-acre hillside garden park called Cemetery de Pierre Lachey. I know that necropolis is now the most famous in the world. Nobody wanted to be buried there at first. 
and hoping to drum up interest, French officials agreed to transplant the bodies of such luminaries as poet Jean de La Fontaine and playwright Malaire from older cemeteries to the new one. The novelist Honoré de Balzac helped popularize the grave uh, gambit by name-checking the place in his work. 1855, excuse me, 1835's uh, LaPierre Goriot, for instance, the novel's hero, having attended the title character's funeral, looks out from Pierre Lachey over Paris, the shining world that he had wished to reach. Glanced over that humming hive, seeming to draw the foretaste of its honey. Well, before long, burial at Pierre Lachey became a status symbol, reflected by the ornate and creepy tombs that were constructed there. Now a part of Paris proper, Pierre Lachey is home to 70,000 burial plots and a veritable who's who of the afterlife, including Jim Morrison, Marcel Proust, and Oscar Wilde, not to mention Balzac, who left this world and joined Pierre Gouraud in uh, 1850. Yeah, the Sedlik Ossuary in the Czech Republic. Almost every country is part of this cavalcade of cemeteries in unusual places. In the Kuntahora suburb of Sedlik, about an hour outside of Prague, is a Roman Catholic cathedral containing the underground ossuary filled with more than 40,000 skeletons. Well, in theory, there's nothing wrong with that, except these bones have been disinterred and artistically arranged to create chalices and candelabras and candle holders and the family coat of arms. And one particular chandelier composed of nearly every bone in the human body. Known as the Church of Bones, the ossuary had its origins in 1278 when the King of Bohemia sent the abbot of Sedlik's Cistercian Monastery to the Holy Land. The abbot retrieved a jar of holy soil from Golgotha, the hill outside Jerusalem where Christ was supposed to be crucified. Back home, he spread that soil in the church cemetery, making it a coveted spot for Bohemian burials. In the 15th century, when the cemetery was closed, the skeletons were exhumed and piled in the chapel, where in 1870, a local woodcarver set to turning them into macabre objects of art. When he finally finished, uh, the artist signed his work. In bone, of course. Well, how about uh, Coachella Cemetery in Peru? Eighteen miles south of Nazca, a small city near the southeast, co- uh, the southern coast of Peru, is uh, the ancient cemetery of Coachella, where bodies are mummified, possibly by the Inca Chinca people, from probably um, 200 A.D. until the at least the ninth century. After being clothed in cotton and treated with resin, the corpses were dried on wooden posts and placed in 12 open mud-brick tombs, creating one of the largest cemeteries in the Nazca area. But thanks to the arid desert climate, the mummies are astonishingly well-preserved, some sporting a shoulder-length hair. More than 20 still remain. Many more have been destroyed over the years. When it was discovered in 1920, for instance, the area was ravaged by grave robbers who plundered the remains for valuables. Well, in 1997, the Peruvian government put a stop to the destruction and worked to restore the site. Now the area is the only Peruvian archaeological site where mummies can be seen in their original tombs, according to Ana Maria Cogorno, an expert on Nazca culture and a guide with the Arocari Travel Agency. Along with the entire bodies, you'll find isolated trophy heads, some of which were perforated in the back and threaded with rope, possibly part of a magical ritual. There's most famous mysteries reflected in the nearby Nazca lines, ancient art drawn on the desert land that uh, practically can only be seen from the air. Along with the cemetery, the lines became uh... hmm. There we go. Along with the cemetery, the lines became an important element in Indiana Jones' The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull movie, which, perhaps unsurprisingly, misrepresented both. According to one Peruvian blogger, Indiana is the most confused archaeologist in the world. 
He said he was surprised not to see the Statue of Liberty next to the Mexican temples. And certainly that could well be a possibility. Then let's go to Tafet in Africa, the burning place. There was in their city a bronze image of Cronus, expanding its hands and palms up, sloping down toward the ground so that each of the children and placed there would roll down and fall in a sort of gaping pit filled with fire, according to uh, a Roman historian who wrote about Carthage, the Phoenician city-state where wealthy parents were suspected of sacrificing their children to deities such as Cronus, the Greek god of time, during the war-torn 4th and 2nd centuries B.C. 1902, French archaeologists unearthed infant burial grounds known as Tophets in Hebrew places of burning. On the outskirts of ancient Carthage in modern-day Tunisia, found more than 20,000 urns packed with cremated infant bones, lending credence to the idea that Carthaginian children from newborn to four-year-old were sacrificed to diverse deities, including the Phoenician god Baal, Haman, and his consort uh, Tanit. Parental dedications left on the stones above their children's remains took care to explain the gods had uh, heard my voice and blessed me. Well... We got time for one more, I think. Let's go to New Orleans, Saint Roch Cemetery, the Chapel of Glass Eyes. Eighteen sixty-seven, during the yellow fever epidemic that swept New Orleans, the German pastor of Holy Trinity Catholic Church prayed to Saint Roch, the patron saint of good health, promising if no one in his parish died of that dread disease, he'd build a chapel in the holy man's honor. True to his word, when the parishioners were the pastor built a Gothic Revival chapel in a cemetery in the city's Halberg uh, Marigny uh, neighborhood. Though today the church is no longer used, the cemetery's chapel remains a curious and creepy destination. Thanks to a small room filled with prosthetics, thank you notes, glass eyes, dental plates, coins, crutches, and other items brought by people who claimed to have been cured by the eccentric saint. According to one, St. Roque will give you what you want, but he always takes something else away. Like many New Orleans cemeteries, indeed like the city itself, St. Roque is rumored to be haunted. In 1937, according to Gumbo Yaya, a classic book of Crescent City folklore, the, a ghost emerged from a tomb and sat on a grave every night for weeks. Well, the burial grounds also home to the specter of a large hound, appropriate given that St. Rock is the patron saint of good health and dogs. I'd wandered around some of the cemeteries in New Orleans. I was especially fascinated by the gravesite of Marie Laveau. People left everything you can imagine there. Money, credit cards, you name it, it's laying there. And there was a tour guide nearby and I asked him, what was the chance of somebody stealing all that? And he said, nobody in their right mind steals from Marie Laveau. And I looked at the dates of some of the coins, and they had been there a long, long time, let me assure you. Well, on that note, we come to the end of today's show. We'll be back tomorrow, and once again, if you listen to Ken Hudnall, the Ken Hudnall Show. Until then, y'all have a great evening.